Hi, I'm Russ Capper, and this is HX TV, championing Houston's innovators and entrepreneurs. Coming to you today from the Microsoft Technology Center in Houston, and my guest, co-founder and COO of Flow Command, Jeff Groon. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You bet. Tell us about Flow Command. So Flow Command makes sensors and software to help oil and gas companies reduce their operating expenses. And so oil and gas companies have a tremendous amount of assets that are geographically distributed and very difficult to access. And so we give them very lightweight cloud-connected sensors that allow them to monitor everything in real time. And they're monitoring it remotely? Exactly, okay. exactly. So we make a variety of sensors, very lightweight things, non-intrusive. And so customers can basically take out these devices to their remote sites, slap them onto the outside of a pipe, stick them onto the top of a tank, and be able to, from their phone, anywhere that they have the internet, be able to know everything that's happening in their assets. So interesting, because I've been hearing about the digital oil field forever, but it seemed slow to really get started. But you guys are in business and are monitoring upstream oil and gas wells today, right? I think not only has it been a, a fairly slow rollout, yeah. there have been a handful of companies that have come in fairly early on uh, with claims of artificial intelligence and things like this. Right. And often when those companies have gotten into the customers, the ENPs or service companies or things like this, what they found is the, the core data, the underlying data, right. is not there. Right. And so what we said is, you know, in order to get to that step two and step three of analyzing and actuating on equipment, you have to be able to measure very well first. And so we've started kind of at this core layer, this measurement layer to say, you know, before we move on to these next steps, let's make sure that we can really get in there and measure very well first. And in order to do that, we have to accomplish a few different things. One is we have to be able to measure anywhere in the world, right, because we have very remote places. Mm -hmm. And number two is we have to do it very inexpensively because you're often coming out of an operating budget where you have to make the economics very obvious to the end user. Okay, you said a lot there, number one. If I go back to the beginning, you said you make your sensors? Correct. Okay, meaning you're not buying off-the-shelf sensors, which I think exist, don't they? They do to some degree, yeah. though there are some inherent challenges that exist in those as well. So we do make our own sensors. What we kind of said when we started the business is there are some very clear um, barriers to entry to putting sensors out in the field. Mm -hmm. Na namely, they're either very expensive or they require a lot of maintenance. And so we said, let's take this huge wave of new sensors that's coming into existence as a result of autonomous driving. Mm -hmm. And so when you think of those types of sensors, they're non-contact. They're distance sensors, acoustic sensors, LIDAR sensors. And we said, how can we take these types of sensors and apply them in this industrial application. Okay, so you've also already admitted that, that these uh, wells are all over the planet. You must get into places where there is no Wi-Fi too. So what do you do then? Very much so. So one of the big challenges when we come into these assets is that you may have some existing infrastructure, you may have the avail availability of cellular service, right. and oftentimes you have nothing. And so we design devices that are individual nodes, and so they don't rely on existing infrastructure. So I can back up all the way from 2G, 3G, 4G to um, satellite if there's nothing there. And so I don't have to have half of a field with service and half without. We can make sure that we cover the entire field. 
But does that add more expense to the whole process when you're having to use satellite? It does. And so it's been kind of our responsibility to figure out great ways to compress that data so that we're not impaired by the cost piece of that. How long have you been in business? So we've been in business since 2015. Uh, we were kind of early on, you know, very deep into the R&D stages of the business. Uh, at the beginning of 2016, we went through an accelerator called Y Combinator. Mm -hmm. And then for the next uh, about 12 to 18 months or so, we were very deep into developing the product, getting our first customers, getting equipment out into the field so that we can test and validate it. And now we're in a phase where we're more you know, expanding into new geographical areas and deeper into some kind of newer product development. Okay. And along the way, as I've heard, you've been quite successful at fundraising too. Yes, so we just finished our third fundraising round in January of this year. And so those funds will largely be put towards um, increasing the staff of the company. And so we're hoping from January 1 of 2019 to January 1 of 2020, we'll about double the headcount of the company. Okay, and you have offices in Houston, San Francisco, and Mexico? Exactly right. And so we have the three offices right now. The reason that we're distributed in that manner is so that we can access the talent pool of software engineers in San Francisco. In Mexico City, we have a variety of clients you know, throughout Latin America. And so that office serves as our operations and business development. Mm -hmm. And then everything else is here in Houston. Okay, so you're doing uh, business in Mexico and in Latin America. Correct. Uh, what percentage of your business is there? So it's about 60% of the business wow. that's in Latin America. And I would have never thought this early on in the business yeah. that we would have ended up you know, going international. Right. Right. And there's been some kind of interesting things that have happened that have pushed us in that direction. Okay. Namely, a bunch of countries in Latin America that have started to or have completed denationalizing their oil production. Okay. And so what that means is new, smaller, multinational bank-backed operators that come in there and try and operate them with higher excellence. Oh, wow. So I remember probably about five years ago, there was a guy named Mark Mills out of the Manhattan Institute that wrote this book called Shell 2.0. But it was all based on the fact that you haven't seen anything yet. The minute we start pulling in the digital technology that's, uh, that's been being developed, uh, the top is gonna blow off again. It seems like that's exactly what you guys are doing. I think this is where you know, the direction of the industry is moving. And so what you've seen historically is every time there's a big downturn, the oil field service companies are really pressed to make big shift changes. Mm -hmm. And when they come out of that, when some commodity price comes up or some new area is discovered, that's when the operators really get to show kind of what they've learned from that mm -hmm. downturn. Okay, but you mainly work for, for the actual uh, producers themselves, not the service companies. We work for both actually. Okay. Um, and so for the operators themselves, you know, we're largely looking at performance of wells, mm -hmm. uh, making sure there are no leaks that are happening, making sure that we're properly managing our infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And then on the oil field service company side, those service companies are going in and selling certain types of operations or services or things like this. And so often we're coming in to help them prove the value of the services they're providing. What did you do before Flow Command? So I was a completion team lead at Occidental Petroleum okay. in the Permian Basin. Okay, very interesting. Uh, before I let you go, Jeff, sh share your perspective. Where do, you, where do you want the company to be five years from now? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think um, we generally think on even shorter terms than five years, and so it's hard to extrapolate that out. But we're really focused on you know, taking this really heavy R&D of new devices and expanding that portfolio. So looking at 
what it means to look at things like sensors and additional non-contact devices and reducing the cost even further so that we can take all of these devices and kind of blanket the oil field so that in the same way that you can operate your nest remotely or your garage door remotely, you know, these high revenue producing assets, we should be able to see them from our phone from anywhere in the world. Fantastic, Jeff. I really appreciate you sharing your story and uh, good luck in uh, attaining your goals. Thank you. You bet. And that wraps up my discussion with Jeff Garoon, co-founder and COO of Flow Command. And this is HX TV.